0: Section 16 of the Junior Classics, Volume 6 Old Fashioned Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeffrey Wilson, Ames, Iowa. The Junior Classics, Volume 6 Old Fashioned Tales. A Lost Wand, Part Two, by Jean Ingelow Holda walked away sadly and slowly. She looked at the beautiful bracelet and wished she had not parted with the wand for it, for she now began to fear that the peddler had deceived her. Nevertheless, who would not be delighted to have such a fine jewel? It consisted of a gold hoop set with turquoise, and on the clasp was a beautiful bird with open wings all made of gold, and which quivered as Hulda carried it. Hulda looked at its bright eyes, ruby eyes which sparkled in the sunshine, and at its crest, all powdered with pearls, and she forgot her regret. "'My beautiful bird,' she said, I will not hide you in a dark box as the peddler did. "'I will wear you on my wrist, and let you see all my toys, "'and you shall be carried every day into the garden "'that the flowers may see how elegant you are. "'But stop! I think I see a little dust on your wings. "'I must rub it off.' "'So saying, Holda took up her frock "'and began gently rubbing the bird's wings, "'when, to her utter astonishment, it opened its pretty beak and sang. My master, oh my master, the brown hard-hearted gnome, He goes down faster, faster, to his dreary home. Little Hulda sold her golden wand for me, Though the fairy told her that must never be. Never she must never let the treasure go. Ah, lost forever! Woe, woe, woe! The bird sang in such a sorrowful voice, and fluttered its golden wings so mournfully that Hulda wept. Alas, alas! she said, I have done very wrong. I have lost the wand forever. Oh, what shall I do, dear little bird? Do tell me. But the bird did not sing again and it was now time to go to bed. The old nurse came out to fetch Hulda. She had been looking all over the castle for her, and been wondering where she could have hidden herself. In Norway, at midsummer, the nights are so short that the sun only dips under the hills time enough to let one or two stars peep out before he appears again. The people, therefore, go to bed in the broad sunlight, "'Child,' said the old nurse, "'look how late you are! It is nearly midnight. Come, it is full time for bed. This is Midsummer Day.' "'Midsummer Day,' repeated Holda. "'ah, how sorry I am! Then this is the day when I might have seen the fairy! How very, very foolish I have been!' Hulda laid her beautiful bracelet upon a table in her room where she could see it, and kissed the little bird before she got into bed. She had been asleep a long time when a little sobbing voice suddenly awoke her, and she sat up to listen. The house was perfectly still. Her cat was curled up at the door fast asleep. Her bird's head was under its wing. A long sunbeam was slanting down through an opening in the green window-curtain, and the motes danced merrily in it. "'What could that noise have been?' said little Hulda, lying down again. She had no sooner laid her head on the pillow than she heard it again. And turning round quickly to look at the bracelet, she saw the little bird fluttering its wings, and close to it, with her hands covering her face, THE BEAUTIFUL LONG-LOST FAIRY. O oh, fairy, fairy, what have I done? said Holda. You will never see your wand again. The gnome has got it, and he has carried it down under the ground, where he will hide it from us forever. The fairy could not look up nor answer. She remained weeping, with her hands before her, till the little golden bird began to chirp. "'Sing to us again, I pray you, beautiful bird,' said Hulda, "'for you are not friendly to the gnome. I am sure you are sorry for the poor fairy.' "'Child!' said the fairy. "'Be cautious what you say. That gnome is my enemy. He disguised himself as a peddler, the better to deceive you.' and now he has got my wand he can discover where i am he will be constantly pursuing me and i shall have no peace if once i fall into his hands i shall be his slave for the bird is not his friend for the race of gnomes have no friends speak to it again and see if it will sing to you for you are its mistress sing to me sweet bird said Holda, in a caressing tone and the little bird quivered its wings and bowed its head several times. Then it opened its beak and sang. Where is the ring? Oh, the ring! My master stole the ring, and he holds it while I sing, In the middle of the world. Where is the ring? Where the long green lizard curled all its length, And made a spring fifty leagues along. There he stands, with his brown hands, and sings to the lizard a wonderful song, and he gives the white stone to that lizard fell, for he fears it and loves it passing well. "'What?' said Holda. "'Did the peddler steal my mother's ring—that old opal ring which I told him I could not let him have?' "'Child!' replied the fairy be not sorry for his treachery. This theft I look to for my last hope for recovering the wand.' "'How so?' asked Hulda. "'It is a common thing among mortals,' replied the fairy, "'to say the thing which is not true, and do the thing which is not honest.' But among the other races of beings who inhabit this world, the penalty of mocking and imitating the vices of you, the superior race, is that if ever one of us can be convicted of it, that one, be it gnome, sprite, or fairy, is never permitted to appear in the likeness of humanity again, nor to walk about on the face of the land which is your inheritance. Now the gnomes hate one another. And if it should be discovered by the brethren of this my enemy that he stole the opal ring, they will not fail to betray him. There is, therefore, no doubt, little Hulda, that he carries both the ring and the wand about with him wherever he goes, and if in all your walks and during your whole life you should see him again, and go boldly up to him and demand the stolen stone, he will be compelled instantly to burrow his way down again into the earth, and leave behind him all his ill-gotten gains. "'There is then still some hope,' said Holda, in a happier voice. "'But where, dear fairy, have you hidden yourself so long?' "'I have passed a dreary time,' replied the fairy. "'I have been compelled to leave Europe and fly across to Africa, for my enemy inhabits the great hollow dome which is the centre of the earth, and he can only come up in Europe.' But my poor little brown wings were often so weary in my flight across the sea, that I wished, like the birds, I could drop into the waves and die. For what was to me the use of immortality when I could no longer soothe the sorrow of mortals? But I cannot die. And after I had fluttered across into Egypt, where the glaring light of the sun almost blinded me, I was thankful to find a ruined tomb or temple underground, where great marble sarcophagi were ranged around the walls and where in the dusky light i could rest from my travels in a place where i only knew the difference between night and day by the redness of the one sunbeam which stole in through a crevice and the silvery blue of the moonbeam that succeeded it in that temple there was no sound but the rustling of the bats wings as they flew in before dawn or sometimes the chirping of a swallow which had lost its way and was frightened to see all the grim marble faces gazing at it. But the quietness did me good, and I waited, hoping that the young king of Sweden would marry, and that an heir would be born to him. For I am a Swedish fairy, and then I should recover my liberty according to an ancient statute of the fairy realm, and my wand would also come again into my possession. But, alas, he is dead, and the reason you see me to-day is that, like the rest of my race, I am come to strew leaves on his grave and recount his virtues. I must now return, for the birds are stirring. I hear the cows lowing to be milked, and the maids singing as they go out with their pails. Farewell, little Hulda. Guard well the bracelet. I must to my ruined temple again. Happy for me will be the day when you see my enemy, if that day ever comes." The bird will warn you of his neighborhood by pecking your hand. One moment stay, dear fairy, said Hulda. Where am I most likely to see the gnome? In the south, replied the fairy, for they love hot sunshine. I can stay no longer. Farewell. So saying, the fairy again became a moth and fluttered to the window. Little Hulda opened it. The brown moth settled for a moment upon her lips as if it wished to kiss her, and then it flew out into the sunshine, away and away. Little Hulda watched her till her pretty wings were lost in the blue distance. Then she turned and took her bracelet and put it on her wrist, where, from that day forward, she always wore it night and day. Hulda now grew tall and became a fair young maiden and she often wished for the day when she might go down to the south that she might have a better chance of seeing the cruel gnome and as she sat at work in her room alone she often asked the bird to sing to her but he never sang any other songs than the two she had heard at first and now two full years had passed away and it was again the height of the norway summer But the fairy had not made her appearance. As the days began to shorten, Hulda's cheeks lost their bright color, and her steps their merry lightness. She became pale and wan. Her parents were grieved to see her change so fast, but they hoped, as the weary winter came on, that the cheerful fire and gay company would revive her. But she grew worse and worse, till she could scarcely walk alone through the rooms where she had played so happily, and all the physicians shook their heads and said, Alas, alas! the lord and lady of the castle may well look sad. Nothing can save their fair daughter, and before the spring comes she will sink into an early grave. The first yellow leaves now began to drop, and showed that winter was near at hand. My sweet Hulda, said her mother to her one day, as she was lying upon a couch looking out into the sunshine, is there anything you can think of that would do you good, or any place we can go to that you think might revive you? I had only one wish, replied Hulda, but that, dear mother, I cannot have. Why not, dear child, said her father, let us hear what your wish was. I wished that before I died I might be able to go into the south and see that wicked peddler, that if possible I might repair the mischief I had done to the fairy by restoring her the wand. Does she wish to go into the south? said the physicians. Then it will be as well to indulge her, but nothing can save her life, and if she leaves her native country she will return to it no more. I am willing to go, said Hulda for the fairy's sake. So they put her on a pillion, and took her slowly on to the south by short distances, as she could bear it. And as she left the old castle, the wind tossed some yellow leaves against her, and then whirled them away across the heath to the forest. Hulda said, Yellow leaves, yellow leaves, wither away. Through the long wood paths How fast do ye stray? The yellow leaves answered, We go to lie down where the spring snowdrops grow, Their young roots to cherish through frost and through snow. Then Holda said again to the leaves, Yellow leaves, yellow leaves, faded and few, What will the spring flowers matter to you? And the leaves said, We shall not see them when gaily they bloom, but sure they will love us for guarding their tomb. Then Hulda said, The yellow leaves are like me. I am going away from my place for the sake of the poor fairy who now lies hidden in the dark Egyptian ruin. But if I am so happy as to recover her wand by my care, she will come back glad and white, like the snowdrops when winter is over. And she will love my memory when I am laid asleep in my tomb.' So they set out on their journey, and every day went a little distance toward the south, till at last, at Christmas Eve, they came to an ancient city at the foot of a range of mountains. "'What a strange Christmas this is!' said Hulda, when she looked out the next morning. "'Let us stay here, mother, for we are far enough to the south.' Look how the red berries hang on yonder tree, and these myrtles on the porch are fresh and green, and a few roses bloom still on the sunny side of the window. It was so fine and warm that the next day they carried Hulda to a green bank where she could sit down. It was close by some public gardens, and the people were coming and going. She fell into a doze as she sat with her mother watching her and in her half-dream she heard the voices of the passers-by and what they said about her till suddenly a voice which she remembered made her wake with a start and as she opened her frightened eyes there with his pack on his back and his cunning eyes fixed upon her stood the peddler stop him cried hulda starting up mother help me to run after him after whom my child asked her mother. After the pedlar, said Hulda, he was here but now, but before I had time to speak to him he stepped behind that thorn-bush and disappeared. So that is Hulda, said the pedlar to himself, as he went down the steep path into the middle of the world. She looks as if a few days more would be all she has to live. I will not come here any more till the spring. And then she will be dead, and I shall have nothing to fear.' But Hulda did not die. See what a good thing it is to be kind. The soft warm air of the South revived her by degrees, so much that by the end of the year she could walk in the public garden and delight in the warm sunshine. In another month she could ride with her father to see all the strange old castles in that neighbourhood. And by the end of february she was as well as ever she had been in her life and all this came from her desire to do good to the fairy by going to the south and now thought the peddler there is no doubt that the daisies are growing on holda's grave by this time so i will go up again to the outside of the world and sell my wares to the people who resort to those public places so one day when in that warm climate the spring flowers were already blooming on the hillsides, up he came close to the ruined walls of a castle, and set his pack down beside him to rest after the fatigues of his journey. This is a cool shady place, he said, looking around, and these dark yew-trees conceal it very well from the road. I shall come here always in the middle of the day, when the sun is too hot and count over my gains how hard my mistress the lizard makes me work who would have thought she would have wished to deck her green head with opals down there where there are only a tribe of brown gnomes to see her but i have not given her that one out of the ring which i stole nor three others that i conjured out of the crozier of the priest as i knelt at the altar and they thought i was rehearsing a prayer to the virgin after resting some time, the peddler took up his pack and went boldly on to the gardens, never doubting but that Hulda was dead. But it so happened that at that moment Hulda and her mother sat at work in the shady part of the garden under some elder trees. "'What is the matter, my sweet bird?' said Hulda, for the bird pecked her wrist, and fluttered its wings, and opened its beak as if it were very much frightened." "'Let us go, mother, and look about us,' said Hulda. So they both got up and wandered all over the gardens. But the peddler, in the meantime, had walked on toward the town, and they saw nothing of him. "'Sing to me, my sweet bird,' said Hulda that night, as she lay down to sleep. "'Tell me why you pecked my wrist.' then the bird sang to her who came from the ruin the ivy-clad ruin with old shaking arches all moss overgrown where the flitter-bat hideth the limber snake glideth and chill water drips from the slimy green stone who did asked Holda. not the peddler surely tell me my pretty bird But the bird only chirped a little and fluttered its golden wings, so Hulda ceased to ask it, and presently fell asleep. But the bird woke her by pecking her wrist very early, almost before sunrise, and sang, Who dips a brown hand in the chill-shaded water, the water that drips from a slimy green stone? Who flings his red cap at the owlets that flap, their white wings in his face as he sits there alone." Hulda, upon hearing this, arose in great haste and dressed herself. Then she went to her father and mother, and entreated that they would come with her to the old ruin. It was now broad day, so they all three set out together. It was a very hot morning the dust lay thick upon the road and there was not air enough to stir the thick leaves of the trees which hung overhead they had not gone far before they found themselves in a crowd of people all going toward the castle ruin for there they told hulda the peddler, the famous peddler from the north who sold such fine wares was going to perform some feats of jugglery of most surprising cleverness "'Child!' whispered Hulda's mother. "'Nothing could be more fortunate for us. "'Let us mingle with the crowd and get close to the peddler.' Hulda assented to her mother's wish, but the heat and dust, together with her own intense desire to rescue the lost wand, made her tremble so that she had great difficulty in walking. They went among gypsies, fruit-women, peasant-girls, children, traveling musicians, common soldiers, and laborers. The heat increased, and the dust and the noise, and at last Hulda and her parents were borne forward into the old ruin among a rush of people running and huzzing, and heard the peddler shout to them, Keep back, good people! Leave a space before me! Leave a large space between me and you.' So they pressed back again, jostling and crowding each other, and left an open space before him from which he looked at them with his cunning black eyes, and with one hand dabbling in the cold water of the spring. The place was open to the sky, and the broken arches and walls were covered with thick ivy and wallflowers the peddler sat on a large gray stone with his red cap on and his brown fingers adorned with splendid rings and he spread them out and waved his hands to the people with ostentatious ceremony now good people he said without rising from his seat you are about to see the finest rarest and most wonderful exhibition of the conjuring art ever known stop cried a woman's voice from the crowd and a young girl rushed wildly forward from the people who had been trying to hold her back i impeach you before all these witnesses she cried seizing him by the hand see justice done good people i impeach you peddler where's the ring my mother's ring which you stole on Midsummer's Day in the castle. "'Good people,' said the peddler, pulling his red cap over his face and speaking in a mild, fawning voice. "'I hope you'll protect me. "'I hope you won't see me insulted. "'My ring! My ring!' cried Hulda. "'He wore it on his finger but now.' Show your hand like a man, said the people. If the lady says falsely, can't you face her and tell her so? Never hold it down so cowardly. The peddler had tucked his feet under him, and when the people cried out to him to let the rings on his hand be seen, he had already burrowed with them up to his knees in the earth. Oh, he will go down into the earth, cried Huldah but I will not let go. Peddler, peddler, it is useless. If I follow you before the lizard, your mistress, I will not let go. The peddler turned his terrified, cowardly eyes upon Holda and sank lower and lower. The people were too frightened to move. Stop, child, cried her mother. Oh, he will go down and drag thee with him. But Hulda would not and could not let go. The peddler had now sunk up to his waist. Her mother wrung her hands, and in an instant the earth closed upon them both, and, after falling in the dark down a steep abyss, they found themselves, not at all the worse, standing in a dimly lighted cave with a large table in it piled with mouldy books. Behind the table was a smooth and perfectly round hole in the wall about the size of a cartwheel. Hulda looked that way, and saw how intensely dark it was through this hole, and she was wondering where it led to when an enormous green lizard put its head through into the cave, and gazed at her with its great brown eyes. "'What is thy demand?' fine child of the daylight said the lizard princess replied hulda i demand that this thy servant should give up to me a ring which he stole in my father's castle when i was a child the peddler no sooner heard hulda boldly demand her rights than he fell on his knees and began to cry for mercy mercy rests with this maiden said the lizard. At the same time she darted out her tongue, which was several yards in length and like a scarlet thread, and with it stripped the ring from the gnome's finger and gave it to Hulda. Speak, maiden, what reparation do you demand of this culprit, and what shall be his punishment? Great princess, replied Holda, Let him restore to me a golden wand which I sold to him, for it belongs to a fairy whom he has long persecuted. Here it is! Here it is! cried the cowardly gnome, putting his hand into his bosom and pulling it out, shaking all the time and crying out most piteously, Oh, don't let me be banished from the sunshine! after this double crime no mercy can be shown you said the lizard and she twined her scarlet tongue round him and drew him through the hole to herself at the same instant it closed and a crack came in the roof of the cave through which the sunshine stole and as hulda looked up in flew a brown moth and settled on the magic bracelet She touched the moth with the wand, and instantly it stood upon her wrist, a beautiful and joyous fairy. She took her wand from Hulda's hand and stood for a moment looking gratefully in her face without speaking. Then she said to the wand, Art thou my own again, and wilt thou serve me? Try me, said the wand. So she struck the wall with it, and said, "'Cleave wall!' And a hole came in the wall large enough for Hulda to creep through, and she found herself at the foot of a staircase hewn in the rock, and, after walking up it for three hours, she came out in the old ruined castle, and was astonished to see that the sun had set. The moment she appeared her father and mother, who had given her over for lost, clasped her in their arms, and wept for joy as they embraced her. "'My child!' said her father. "'How happy thou lookest! Not as if thou hadst been down in the dark earth!' Hulda kissed her parents and smiled upon them. Then she turned to look for the fairy, but she was gone. So they all three walked home in the twilight, and the next day Hulda set out again with her parents to return to the old castle in Norway. As for the fairy, she was happy from that day in the possession of her wand, but the little golden bird folded its wings and never sang any songs again. End of section 16 Recording by Jeffrey Wilson, Ames, Iowa